You're listening to the Sick Mom's Guide Podcast, episode 20. Welcome to the Sick Mom's Guide Podcast. If my mom can do it, you can too. I'm Jen Hardy. I'm the mom of seven children. At the date of this recording, their ages range from six to 28. I'm married to the man of my dreams, and I have multiple eclectic chronic diseases. Throughout this parenting journey, I've come up with systems and ways to handle juggling it all while staying positive and moving forward, even when my body's pushing back. I've created this podcast because I believe that if we start opening up, stop being ashamed, and ditch the guilt, then as a community, we will make each other stronger. Thanks for joining me. Today, I have Victoria Lewin with me, and we are going to talk about the people that make all of us stronger in celebration of Carers Week. So in most of the world, they call people who take care of people with an illness carers. In the United States, we call them caregivers. And this is a special week celebrating carers and caregivers. And we want to give a shout out to the people who care for us because... You are the people that make our worlds a better place. And we want to thank you. And we're going to do that together as Victoria joins me. So without further ado, here she is. Victoria, welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're here today. Hi, Jen. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here today. And I love talking to you. And I love what you're working on, which is helping young carers in the U. It's the UK, right? That's you, well, yeah, I'm based in the UK, but um, here's my thought. There are millions and millions of young carers worldwide. This isn't just a UK thing. This is worldwide. So, you know, everything that I do, yes, although I'm based in the UK, especially my, on, my online awareness work, you know, I, I kind of reach out to people everywhere saying, share this, you know, use it in schools, raise awareness, because what one young carer will tell you in, say, for example, Manchester in northern England, this, another young carer will tell you the exact same thing in America, in Australia, in New Zealand, wherever they are. They, the, the comments are always the same. The issues are always the same wherever they are. So, yeah. Okay, so since I'm based in America and we don't have support for young carers here, except one incredible woman in Florida that I will talk about later, um, can you define what a young carer is if somebody's listening and they have no idea what we're talking about? Yeah, a young carer, and there's lots of um, definitions out there, but this is the one I tend to go with. Um, A young carer is a child or young person under the age of um, 25, really, um, who cares or looks after or helps to look after a family member who has got um, an illness, long-term illness, disability, um, mental health issue or an issue with drugs or alcohol. Um, And so they're completely involved with that person's care. Um, And sometimes they might not be involved practically, especially younger children, um, and I've gone through this personally, younger children, although they might not be doing many practical things, they're emotionally affected by it. Um, and, and they're just as much a young carer as somebody who is, um, you know, doing things practically, physically, because they're emotionally involved in it all and giving emotional support. 
but I mentioned um, kind of 25 years um, and under because over here they say from the age of 15 um, to 25 is a young adult carer. So they've kind of transitioned from being a child to a young adult, but they're still meeting that care need and that responsibility. All right. So, and if you're listening to this podcast, probably you or somebody that you love has one of those health issues. And if you're a mom, then your child would probably fall under this group. I know that mine, all of my kids have helped me at some points when there's been times where there was four months where I couldn't even get out of bed. And so when my husband was gone working, you know, cause, and then his commute was at least an hour each way they did. They had to do everything during that time from the time that all the kids got up until we ate dinner. And Gosh. it's a lot of pressure. It is. It is. It is. I mean, I, I personally have gone through it. I've got Ehlers-Danlos syndrome myself and every so many years I need major stomach surgery. Um, Thankfully, I've gone a while since I last needed it, but, you know, it's imminent. It won't be that long before it's needed again. Um, but I can remember the last time it happened, my kids were um, eight and 11, I think. Yeah, eight and 11. Um, and, yeah, it was tough um, because, of course, my husband's disabled. Um, this stomach surgery takes three months to heal. I'm not allowed to bend, lift. You know, I'm not really allowed to do anything. I'm supposed to be on bed rest. And, um, yeah, so I know exactly where you're coming from. And, you you know, the kids are amazing. And But the mum, the mother in you is feeling guilty that you're, um, you know, you're, you're needing their help and asking for their help. Um, because, of course, 99% of the time here, I'm the main caregiver for my, for my husband and the, and the kids help, you know. Um, so, yeah, but I know exactly where you're coming from, Jan, because, uh, yeah, occasionally I need some surgery and then I'm in that boat as well. Right. But even when you're not having your surgery, you were saying that you and your children are taking care of your husband. Yeah. And because of that, you had written a book. And I think that's how, that's how I found you online. And we had been talking, we've been talking for about a year and a half. And this is so exciting to do this, this episode together because Victoria, I was, I was always such a big stickler on online safety and never meeting anybody online. And one day I got a book in the mail from <laughs> someone that my family had never met. And they said, Oh my gosh, you've given her address to a And I said, well, if she's a crazy stalker person, she's going to have to get on a plane and fly for a long time because it came from England. It's um, a long way. And, and they're like, how could you trust somebody after all those years of yelling at us? Um, so I just thought it was so funny, but, but Victoria mailed me her book and it is a phenomenal book because the carers, young carers in, in England are going through something that I had not heard of in the U.S. before. Um, and maybe it's happening and I just don't know because we homeschool. So if you want to talk about the book and how that got started and, and share the reasons behind it with people, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So, yeah. So my husband originally was diagnosed with this rare brain condition called um, IH for short. It's idiopathic intracranial hypertension. Um, and the kids were only five and two when he was diagnosed. So for the first few years, we all kind of muddled through. Um, he'd retired from uh, his career and we, do, we were kind of pretty insular, you know, we, we just muddled through and we, we got on with things. And then my daughter started school 
this was the turning point. So she started school and she's always been the youngest in the year. So she was only four when she went. And um, yeah, within, within weeks, she'd gone from being this gregarious, happy, fun-loving child, um, full of mischief, you know. And then she started school and within a few weeks, she started regressing. So here's this four-year-old that was pretty advanced for her age. You know, she could do loads of things and she was, she was doing great. And then we regressed and she was starting to um, throw tantrums and having complete meltdowns whenever I would have to leave her, you know, leave her for the school day. Um, and initially we thought, okay, well, maybe this is separation anxiety. You know, there's been a, she's been, got very close to me with, you know, with everything that's gone on at home. So I thought, well, maybe it's that. But then as time went on, it didn't really get any better. Um, but, and she went from being somebody that was, again, was quite vocal to somebody that wouldn't really talk anymore. And she, we just couldn't get out of her. What, what was upsetting her so much? Um, and it was her second year in, um, in primary school that she started finding the words to express how she felt. And she started saying, Mum, I'm so, so sad. Why is my dad ill? Why did it have to be my dad? Um, nobody understands me. Why does it have to be my dad that's ill? And around about this time, um, we'd started seeing a neuropsychologist because we'd figured out that some of my husband's symptoms were brain injury symptoms because it was mismanaged in the first 12 months. Um, and we think he probably had a small stroke in that time, possibly. We'll never know for sure, but he was left with brain injury symptoms. So we're seeing this neuropsychologist, me and my husband, and this one day I happened to mention everything that my daughter had been going through. And she'd also mentioned that she was being bullied in school and the bullying had started right from the beginning. That's why she'd been so desperate to, for me not to leave and didn't want to be left, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so, um, so he mentioned it to this neuropsychologist and he said, okay, let's do a family meeting. Let's do group therapy, family meeting, which we did. And I'd never heard the term young carers until that meeting. It hadn't even dawned on me that the kids were young carers. It was just, this is the situation we're in. We just get by. This is our family. That's that. And yeah, in that meeting, he said, well, you know, the children are young carers and we've got um, a local young carers project in the city that they would be, um, you know, uh, entitled to join. Uh, let me put you in touch with them. So, so they come and they do their assessments. And um, that was the day that changed everything, really, the day, the day of the assessments. Um, they came to the house, they talked to both of the children, who were now six and ten by this point. And my, my kids were on top of the world. They were like, oh, my God, there's all this, there's all this support. We can go on day trips out. We can go on day trips out. We can um, join the young carers uh, support group, social group, which is like a youth club for all these children to befriend each other. And they were so excited. And then we got to the end of the meeting and they said, oh, hang on. How old is your daughter? And I said, well, she's six. She's almost seven. 
And they said, oh, no, 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 we can only provide support for eight-year-olds, eight and up. And so it was as if, as if you'd given her the world and then snatched it away from again. Right. So, she went, so she went from being on top of the world and cloud nine to absolutely devastated that, oh, my God. And it, the worst thing was her brother could access it immediately, like the following week, and she couldn't. She had to wait over a year and watch him go every week and go on all these amazing trips. And all this time, she just kept saying, I just want somebody who understands me. I just want a friend who gets it, um, which obviously the Young Carer Support Group would, have, would give her. Right. And she knew that. Um, so she went to bed that night, and, and as I was tucking her in, she said, can you look on the, on the computer, and can you please see if there's a book that will help me? Because she'd remembered that in the neuropsychologist's office, he had some board books um, on brain injury for toddlers. But she was past that, you know. And obviously, while it under explained the brain injury, it didn't explain the IH, which is so complicated. So she said, um, will you have a look if there's a book for me? So I said, okay, I will. And I kept my word that evening. I sat on the computer and I trolled and I trolled and I trolled and I couldn't find anything you know because it's such a rare illness there just wasn't anything that fitted um so yeah so the next day she gets up and she's you know kind of really excited she said did you find something mum did you find something and um and I had to say no I couldn't find anything and she just looked at me really seriously and she just said well make there be one mummy oh <laughs> You know, write one, make the B one. If there isn't one, make the B one. Um, and I hadn't done, you know, this wasn't my thing. I hadn't done um, English since I was in high school. This was <laughs> 17 years later. So I was thinking, oh, gosh, well, I'll, I'll try. And so I, I, start, I thought, well, I'll write what's happened to her. You know, I'll write what's ha what the journey we've gone through, but I'll put it in a children's story so she'll recognize herself in the main character. Um, and then I put kind of a fairy tale twist in the middle bit, you know, to make it a bit more interesting. Um, and then, yeah, so it took me ages to write it um, because I, I, like I said, to nothing since high school. Um, but the fact that I was writing it and I was trying was enough. You right. Know, we, we, we'd broken that barrier of her feeling alone and sad. And that was enough. You know, she'd smile. She'd see that I was trying to help her. And, you know, she'd say, it's OK, mum. You know, you're writing it. It's OK. Um, and occasionally I'd read her a little bit and say, you know, is this OK? And she'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. And eventually I finished it um, and I, I read it to her. And people started commenting pretty much right away started saying whoa what what's what's happened what's the change she's she's now so much more positive because the whole point of Caitlin's wish is to see what the person can still do instead of what they can't do anymore so it's look for the positives and you know if you look for the positives it makes the the negatives a bit easier to cope with so she'd learned that lesson through the through reading it, um, and yeah. So the more people that that uh, found out about it, the more people urged me to publish it, um, which I did, um, and it's kind of just snowballed from there. Um, 
it, it's gone on to help lots of young carers and not, <clears throat> excuse me, not just people who, you know, families who are affected by this condition. It, it's helped that community a lot, but it's helped other young carers too, because there's a bit of a universal message in there, um, you know, kind of look for the positives in difficult situations, you know, overcome adversity, don't let disability define you, don't let things stop you, kind of, you know, keep going. Okay, you might have to do a different way, but keep going. Um, and so, yeah, and so that that is how Caitlin's Wish started, because once it was published, I started um, promoting it myself then on Facebook, and I got a website, and the more and more people contacted me, um, the more I was hearing a similar message. Like I said at the beginning of the interview, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, the issues are the same. So I was getting parents now who had bought the book for their kids. The kids had read it and then they'd asked to take it to school. And this happened in Australia, in, um, in the UK, in America. It happened all over. Um, they'd take it into school. The teachers would read it, you know, oh, right, okay, we'll raise awareness about young carers. They'd read it to the class. And then because there wasn't any follow-up, um, they wouldn't take it any further. And even though I'd put a link in the back of it um, for a brilliant UK resource, and I spoke to the people who, who wrote this resource, um, the Carers Trust, it's now uh, the two charities have amalgamated and they're called the Carers Trust now. Um, and I spoke to the people who wrote it at length and they were saying, you know, again, the message is universal. Okay, it's been written for UK schools, um, but you know, other schools in different countries will be able to use this young carers in schools resource. So I was thinking, I've put, I've diligently put the link in the back of the book. The teachers will look at that, but no, the parents were coming back to me and saying, "Oh no, the teachers have said that's UK only. No, that's UK only. No, they're not, no, they're not going to go any further. Will you write something else?" So this was kind of 2012, 2013 that these messages were coming in. And I thought, well, I could do something just off the back of the Caitlin's Wish book, or how about if I'm going to do this, let, let's, you know, let's make it a bit bigger. And so I started asking people to, um, to write various different things for me. And your good self has written some amazing things for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've asked um, children who are young carers, uh, young people who are young adult carers, um, you know, members of the disabled community, um, a wide spectrum of people have written um, poems and and stories and um, done artwork. And the plan is that I'm writing a series of books now called Who Cares For Us? Um, and it's covering young carers awareness and disability awareness and anti-bullying because my daughter is not alone. So many young carers end up being bullied because of the caring role. So that, that had to be in it for me. Um, and so, yeah, so All Being Well, that's gonna be out. The first books of that series will be out next year, All Being Well. But yeah, that's what I've been working on since. But it's all been a direct result of that one little story for my daughter. And it's it's incredible how things can evolve and, yeah, it's it's amazing. 
It is. It's amazing what a mom can do, right? What a mom's love, oh, yeah. mom wanting to help her own child can do. Absolutely. You know, now look at how many other people you're helping because yeah. you wanted to help your own child get through something. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 you know, and another thing that the kids can learn from reading your child's book or your book is that they're not alone. Um, no. You know, like I know in the U.S., you know, like I said before, there's, there is a great, a great woman and she's got a program in Florida and it's really serving the children that are there in one County in Florida. But I've done a lot of research and there's just nothing. I didn't even know when I first talked yeah. to Victoria, what a young carer was. They call them young caregivers in Florida. Yeah, It's the yeah. same concept. Um, it's exactly the same. There, there's been reports done in the U.S. and I'll have links to those too in the show notes, as well as all of Victoria's information. But there, there's been these reports done that show that depression, anxiety, and all these things are higher in children yeah. who are carers. So I just don't understand why we don't have any kind of support. So I'm hoping by having this episode, if you're listening, you've never heard of a young carer before, you'll know if you want to talk to your child about it and you want a tool to use, um, books are a great tool and Caitlin's Wish is amazing. And where can they find Caitlin's Wish if they're looking, Victoria? Um, it's available on Amazon. Yeah. And all, all the usual book retailers. It's, um, yeah. If you okay. just, if you just Google. Caitlin with a C. You'll find it. It's Caitlin with a C. So, and, and we'll yeah. have links. We'll have links to that in the show notes too. I just want to make sure if you're listening, you've got that because it's a great conversation to have with your kids. I know when I was really sick, it wasn't something that I really talked to my kids about. It was more because um, I had I had a two and a four year old and then four teenagers, and my thing was you. J- this is just a responsibility to just do it. And because I was so sick, I wasn't thinking this is having an effect on my children. Right. Yeah. This is there is a lot of pressure that they should not be having that I'm putting on them and I'm not even opening up a dialogue about it. So I'm so happy that you are opening up that dialogue. And now yeah, I think it needs to be. And do you know, something I saw on, um, I went on Twitter earlier on and it's my daughter's exams this week. So my head has been just, Oh, between revising and <laughs> taking it back and forth to college for exams. Yeah, my head is pretty much in the shed. But I thought, I haven't been on Twitter for a bit. So I went on there and, and I came across quite a few kind of mental health posts. And I just kept getting this thought in my head, it's okay to not be okay. Because there is so, there are so many, like you said, there are so many... Um, things that society puts on us that we should be doing this and we should be doing that and we you know we should parent this way and and you know it doesn't do anybody's mental health any good to live like that you know it's okay to not be okay it's okay for kids to say yeah I'm a young carer but actually this is how I feel about it and I need support you know or you'll find other young carers that go yes I'm a young carer but you know it's my mum or it's my dad and I wouldn't have it any other way and I'm fine. You know, every person is different and every situation is different, but it's okay to not be okay and to say, hey, this is my situation and, you know, yeah, it, yeah. we need to start conversations more, I think. Exactly. And, you know, you and I haven't talked about this, so I don't want to just throw something different at you, but for, for kids in the U.S. Um, where, you know, 
this is the situation. Like for me, I cannot get up in the morning. So I'm very fortunate that I have somebody that comes in in the morning and kind of makes sure my kids get dressed because they're only six and eight right now. And she yeah. makes breakfast. So my eight-year-old doesn't have to because from the time she was five to eight, she had to cook breakfast. Um, and it's, a, you know, it's a lot of pressure for a child. So, But for kids that are, you know, at, however young that they're starting up until, like you said, like 25 or whatever, if, or, and especially the ones I think that are in school still, right. That are, they have the pressure of school and they have the pressure yeah. of their parent and they care about the parent. They want to help the parent, but yeah. at the same time, what can we do for them? If we don't have a group like you have there, do you have any good suggestions? Well, on, to be honest, that? to be honest, online, you know, social media, um, there are some amazing support groups actually online. And although we have the support when my kids were little, it's not there now. The government have made so many funding cuts. That amazing group is gone. It, it, it folded a couple of years ago. Oh, um, so it's really sad because it was, it was the most incredible group. Um, I mean, my kids were lucky that they've made friends that they still talk to on Facebook, you know, from that original group. But, um, yeah, my advice would be um, if you go on to, actually, if you go on to the Caitlin's Wish website, caitlinswish.com, there is a page on there off the top of my head. I couldn't tell you where. You'd have to kind of... That's okay. (laughs) I'll have a around a bit. But there is a page on there that is... um, that I actually research different support organizations in different countries and I put all the links on there. So, yeah, I mean, we're living in an age of social media, which, yeah, it has its downfalls, but also it has its positives in that young carers can talk to each other all over the world. And I've spoken, I've met and spoken to so many young carers through social media who have got involved with this project that I'm working on. Um, and had it not been for the internet and social media, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now. It would be just, you know, a very localized knowledge, you know, um, piece of work. It wouldn't be a worldwide universal piece of work. So, yeah, I would say, you know, type in care, carer support, young carer support, um, the carers trust over here. Yes, it's a British organization. But they've got some brilliant, um, some brilliant links, and their website is fantastic. Um, and any teacher who wants, who is saying right now, okay, I want to look into this, I would urge you to go onto the Carers Trust website. They've got um, a separate website for professionals, and there's a link from their main website. But on the professionals website. It's it's just incredible how much um, material there is there for schools. Um, they've actually set up a Young Carers in Schools program over here um, where they encourage schools to identify and support young carers in the school. Um, but, yeah, any teachers, look at the Carers Trust. And, yeah, um, and here's hoping that in a few years' time, Jen, we won't be having this discussion and there'll be loads of support out there in America. That's my hope oh, that well, people will get on this and that is my hope. Well, and you know, if there would be some way that our kids could, we could get support in our home to take the burden off the kids, that would also be, yeah. you know, yeah. 
Um, because unless you have a lot of money, you just can't afford, you know, like, I, I mean, I've got somebody that comes in two hours a morning, you know, she doesn't come in all day, but you know, she does some of the things that, that like the, um, washing my dishes once a day and folding a load of laundry for me that I just can't do. Yeah. But a lot of people don't have that luxury and it, it just, it, like it used to do for me, it falls on the kids because yeah. it has, somebody has to do it, you know, you, yeah things have to get done. And so that's, I just love what you're doing. And I just want everybody to know that your children aren't alone. I encourage you to talk to them. I mean, look at the difference in Victoria's daughter, right from, from being so sad and not wanting to go to school to her mom, just listening to her, nothing physically changed. Right. I mean, everything no. at home was the same. It yeah. was just that you were willing to listen and say, Hey, what can I do? And she felt heard, but yeah. basically she felt yeah. heard. Um, and then you wrote a book, which obviously was a huge undertaking, but, but I think that's the thing for a lot of these kids is if you have a child who's helping you and you notice, you know, are they a little more depressed or anxious or not acting like they used to, or you'd want them to, these are some questions that you may be asking them, you know, how do you feel about my health and how do you feel about helping? And maybe, you know, how do you feel we could do these things differently so that, it would take some pressure off and maybe they've got a good solution. They're afraid to mention. So. Yeah. And you've just, you've just kind of brought a thought to mind. Um, something that um, I actually, <laughs> I actually went to battle over this one. Um, my daughter had a teacher in, in the primary school when we were going through all the, all the issues with her. And this teacher was very old fashioned in her views and her attitude was, you should shield the children from everything. <laughs> children should not see any of this. And I actually took this because uh, I kept hearing this. She was really going for me every time she had the opportunity. Um, and so I actually took this to the neuropsychologist. I said, please, you know, what do I say to her? I said, because it's so... It's so easy to get into an argument with her. She was baiting me. You know? right. <laughs> I said, but I don't want to. I want to give her an answer. And he said, right, well, you tell her from me. It's the children whose parents tried to shield them from everything that end up in our chairs as adults. Because they, when you're trying to shield them, what you're actually doing is just allowing all of their worries to kind of metamorphosize into these, you know, horrific stories in their minds. And when the truth is probably nothing like what they're imagining. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah. And I did actually have that, that kind of a discussion with my daughter when, she, you know, when she was around this age that I was writing the book and I said, you know, um, mommy and daddy are, are trying to explain to you how daddy's head is so that it makes it easier for you to, you know, easier for you to um, to manage and to cope and everything. Um, and we don't want you worrying. You know, daddy is okay. As long as he takes his medication, he's okay. And, you know, and as long as when he's having a bad day, we all kind of fall into line and <laughs> go into that mode of stra- strategy to, to help him cope when he's having a bad day. Um, you know, and things will be okay. Um and she actually said to me, she appreciated my honesty. And she said it to me as she's grown up. I mean, she's 18 this year. And she's, you know, we talk about these kind of things all the time now because she's, 
you know, she's taken A-level psychology and she's very interested in how young carers think. And, you know, she's a very compassionate, empathetic um, young lady, you know. And we have all these really deep and meaningful conversations. And occasionally, occasionally she'll say, I'm really glad you were honest with me, Mum, from the beginning. Even when things were going to get difficult, you broke it down, you simplified it, you made it less scary by being honest. Um, and I think that's so important. We've got to talk to children. You, you, you try and shield them, then that anxiety within them, it just, it just you know, it festers, it increases, it, it's not healthy. Um, and, but even the, even the child who you think is coping the best, occasionally they'll need extra help. I mean, my daughter developed um, anxiety once she hit kind of teenage years. Um, she used to, she was quite anxious. Um, and we tried a few different things, you know, and she had a counsellor and what have you. Nothing seemed to really work. And then we found a counsellor that did um, cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT. The best thing for anxiety. Absolutely amazing. She's been totally different since. Um, and, you know, uh, but that's kind of what I'm trying to say is you need to keep the dialogue open because the goalposts will move, things will change. You know, your children will be growing up, they'll be going through things at school, you know, outside influences. If you keep the dialogue open, you know, it, it helps. And that, and that's good to know too, is that how open you are, you know, like, yes, my daughter went to counseling, you know, and this is, oh, yeah. instead of being embarrassed and not telling anybody because somebody li listening might think, you know, well, there's another stigma or whatever, but it doesn't have to be because, no. uh, you know, everybody needs help sometimes. And the honesty I think is so important, especially if someone's listening, no matter what the diagnosis is, because I know cancer is a big one where people try to not talk about it and ignore it. But what they don't realize is their children are hearing the word cancer at school or with their friends. Yeah. Or if they say my mom has cancer, then their friends instantly might say, Oh, well, she's going to die. That That's the kind of thing they're going to hear. It doesn't yeah. make that true, but you need to be the one telling your child, I do have this, but I'm going to fight. And this yeah. is, I'm going to do treatment and let them go with you sometimes or give them information. And like you said, like books or something. Yeah. They're with you on this walk because they're going to think about it and they're going to talk to somebody. So if it's not you, it might not be the information that they really need to hear. Yeah. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I've actually got a friend who's going through that at the moment. And um, the first time I saw her little boy after we'd got the diagnosis and I talked to her on the phone, but you know, I hadn't seen her and, in a while and because uh, I'd been really sick so I was like no 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 you are not having my germs we're not having a germ fest no 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 but so I was over the lurgy <laughs> and um and I remember going to pick up her little boy from school to help her out and um he just took one look at me and he went Auntie Vicky my mum's got cancer and I I was just like uh, uh. but I thought because I didn't know that she told him, but right. she'd been so open. And then in his next breath, he went, but she's going to fight it. And I said, do you know what? She is going to fight it and she's going to get better. And it's, you know, this friend is the most positive person in the world. She's amazing. And, um, and I thought, yeah, yeah, you've done right. You've been open about it. Um, 
but it was almost as if, okay, we've had that talk now. That that's kind of elephant in the room has been discussed. And then he was just talking about school and what he'd done in maths that day. And, you know, it wasn't mentioned again because it was like, okay, we've shelved that now. That's done. I don't want to discuss that now. Um, but like you said, if it's not discussed, children worry. And often their worries far outweigh the reality of what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. And they'll think about it a lot more, I think, if they're trying to figure it out on their own. If they yeah. feel like they have answers, you know, it's just like us. If, if there's something that comes into our life and we think, oh my gosh, this is a huge worry and we don't yeah. know how we're going to solve it, all our brain power is spent trying to solve the problem. But yeah. if once we have the solution, then it kind of goes to the back of our mind like, yes, we have this problem, but now we know how we're going to solve it and it's going to be okay. So yeah. we can move forward. Yeah. So question, how are you doing all these things and writing and coordinating with people all over the world when you are a caregiver for your husband and you don't feel good? (laughs) With great difficulty, (laughs) 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 to be honest. (laughs) That's why anybody who's been following me will see that it was, the first book is going to be out in 2017. No, it's not. It's going to be 2018. No, it's not. It's going to be 2019. Uh, and that's why because um yeah i've got ela danlos so i've got a really weak immune system and so has my daughter <laughs> so yeah it's like how did we get to june <laughs> right did, this year I, <laughs> I literally blinked because it was christmas the last time i remember and now I it's summer i i have I no idea where this from well well yeah we we caught this Aussie flu, we caught it, uh, me and my daughter, heaven knows where we caught it from. We still can't trace, figure it out. A pair of us caught it, came down with it at the same time. And um, yeah, we had, the entire household had it for 12 weeks. Oh. And we just about got rid of that. And then I caught shingles. So that's what I mean. It's been kind of June. <laughs> We're in June. Are you serious? <laughs> But you know, what's great is you seem to have this, this very lighthearted, I mean, I'm not that it's not stressful for you, I'm sure. But, but, you know, you're kind of laughing about it and saying, you know, this is how it is. It was this year. And then it's that year. And now it's the next year. And yeah, and I, I, I've had to kind of just surrender it and, and kind of let myself off the hook, really, to, you know, because at the end of the day, I, in years gone by, I've tried to put this big kind of almost brave face on it and it doesn't get me anywhere I I got incredibly sick in 2015 and had life-threatening anemia as a result of trying to put you know I'm I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and I kept pushing my body and then my body was going "Uh uh-uh computer says no we're not doing this no more (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah that was a big learning curve that was a kind of oh my god life is so fragile you know will you kind of respect you've got Ela Danlos and your body doesn't behave the way it should so now when I get sick I go okay wait white flag okay let's just you know it's duvet day favorite movie favorite tv (laughs) shows um because you get better quicker that way um and yeah I've just really this last few years I've just thought in in its own good time and the longer the, the time has gone on that the book 
I mean, don't get me wrong, there are draft after draft after draft, you know, in Hades that I haven't been writing. There are, you know, I've made a, a good start on the first two books. Um, but, but yeah, I, I've kind of come to the conclusion of it'll be ready when it's meant to be ready, if that makes sense. Right, exactly. Because, I, because I've may, met so many amazing people along this way where I've been too sick to write very much. But I've still got on social media and I've still talked to people, on, you know, on my phone when I've been in the recliner or whatever. Right. But you then build relationships like you and I have. If I'd have written this book three, four years ago, you and I wouldn't be having this talk now. You and I wouldn't have got to know each other. You wouldn't have written the amazing thing you've written for the book. <laughs> Your kids wouldn't have written the amazing quotes they've written. You, do you know what I mean? It's all... Yeah. It's all, I'm kind of learning to sit back a bit and go, okay, universe, in your time, um, you know, this will happen when it's supposed to happen. Um, whereas before I used to try and push things and push and push and push and push and get so ratty and so stressed and snap everybody's head off because I haven't done enough work today. <laughs> don't you realize? <laughs> Yes. Yes. I know that. I know that feeling. I'm really, really working on that. That is my goal for 2018 is to give myself grace. Right. And just to say, yeah, it's okay. It's going to happen when it's meant to happen. Yeah, and, if, and do you know what? You'd be happier when you do. It's yeah. been a hard, hard lesson for me, but now I just go, okay, if it's a bad day, well, it's a bad day. And if I managed to do one email, yes, I managed to do <laughs> one email. As a, Whereas before I would have been beating myself up going, you know, Oh, but you only did one email. Right. Like, no, I did one email today. Good on me. Yes. It's like conquering the mountains sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I did something. Um, it's just a shift in, in, you know, it's just a shift in the way you see things. And yeah, it, and to be honest, you you find that you, when you kind of let yourself off the hook a bit, you, you just smell the roses a bit more. You know, you appreciate the days a bit more and you look around you a bit more. Um, so, yeah. So if you actually could see my study now, it's an absolute tip. <laughs> you know, there's a box of papers because over the years that I've been doing research, I scribble in notebooks and rip out the bits of paper. And I have got a box at the side of my desk that is heaving with, and I don't mean a little box. I mean an <laughs> enormous box that is heaving with pieces of A4 paper that I've now got to go through and think, okay, well, that's a load of rubbish. Why on earth did I write that? And kind of go through it all now and sort it because it's spread over so many years now. I've got to go through it all. And some of the, <laughs> I'm so annoyed, some of the um, research that I spent ages doing, I typed it into the, you know, the, the, um, oh, the thing at the top, you know, the web address thing, typed it in, <laughs> and my computer went, uh-uh, don't know what you're looking for, but that's not here <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I thought, okay, great. In the bin with that bit of paper. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, you've just got to, yeah, you've just got to kind of smell the roses every day and appreciate the days more, because if you kind of, I've learned the hard way. If you kind of beat your head against the wall saying, I've got to work. Yeah, you just end up so stressed and everybody ends up so miserable because you, <laughs> you're winding everybody up. Yeah. It, 
Um, yeah. So, yeah, I work, I mean, it's late at night now I'm doing this. I work around people if I can now. I'll often wait until my daughter goes to bed and then I'll go on the computer if I'm still awake enough. And I'll do a couple of hours then. Um, or I'll do it early in the morning when my husband's still asleep because he doesn't get up in the morning. Mornings don't exist in his world. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I kind of just work around as, as and when I can. I have even been known in this last two years when my daughter's had a lecture that's only two hours because it's a good 20-minute, 25-minute run each way. Right. I've gone, well, that's a bit pointless to take her, come back, sit down for five minutes and go again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I've even been known to, to throw books into a rucksack and sit in the back, back of the car. And I've done some brilliant work in the back of the car <laughs> because nobody interrupts me. I put my, right? phone on, put my phone on to airplane mode. I know that she's in the building next to me. If there's a real problem, she will come and find me. Um, I've always made it, you know, my husband's been left with all his medication. I've made sure he's got food ready and drinks and what have you. And I know that he's okay for a couple of hours. Um, and yeah, and I've sat in the back of the car and worked. I love the office in the back of the car. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody goes, Vic! So peaceful. <laughs> so peaceful. No, yeah. It is, there's no mom. Vic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because so you know that word. Sometimes that word, you know, you hear mom, like for the 10th time, but then I think, you know, I miss the, my older ones that have moved out. I miss them yeah. saying that. So I don't wish that away, but it, every once in a while, it'd be nice to have a car office just, you know, just for a couple of hours. Yeah. yeah. I've enjoyed the car office to be honest with you. <laughs> but you see, if where we live, there's only kind of about eight or nine houses here. We're, we're a bit kind of out of it. So if I try to go and sit in the car here, Within 20 minutes, I would guarantee somebody would knock the window and go, are you okay, Vic? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't get peace. It would just not work. <laughs> yeah, they would think something was wrong. Why are you sitting in the well, car? Why is she sitting in the car? She's not gone. <laughs> <laughs> is the car broken down? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But I've enjoyed this two years where she used to have, there was one day, I think it's a Friday, and she used to have this afternoon lecture. So, as I said, you know, she couldn't catch. There's only one bus in the morning and one bus at night to where we live. So she couldn't catch the college bus in because she'd be sat twiddling the thumbs for about five hours. So, um, yeah, so I used to take her and sit in the car and she'd be like, oh, are you all right there, mummy? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Peace and quiet. <laughs> Uh, well, that that is really good. And it's good for people to know, you know, it, that it's okay to give yourself permission to have some downtime. In fact, oh, yeah. um, I just interviewed somebody else today. And that was one of the things she was saying too, is, is that it's okay to take days where we just do what we want to do. And why do we have to pretend to be so busy all the time and be yeah. doing things that we don't want to be doing? You know? Exactly. So. Uh, yeah. I tell you another thing. And I think you're a similar kind of an age to me. So you'll probably get this. Do you remember Friends? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Well, my daughter's just rediscovered them. Ah. So, I, so that's been our thing when we want downtime because it's on Netflix and it's only 20 minutes. So it's like, 
okay it's not an hour's program it's 20 minutes right but you end up laughing and you end up just totally relaxing and then it's like right okay now we'll go and do whatever we need to do but we have that 20 minute downtime um but it's been brilliant watching it again there was, oh, <laughs> yeah i haven't rewatched it so that would be really oh rewatch it it's okay. brilliant it's I'll better the second time around is it really okay oh yeah yeah it's brilliant because you think i kind of know what's I kind of remember this, but I kind of don't. Right. You know, because it's so long ago. Um, but yeah, no, that's been that's been our thing this last this last year or so. That's been our thing. You know, whenever we're both, because obviously she's got the same condition I've got. She's got a heart condition as well. So yeah, so she gets a lot of days where she feels ugh. Right. <laughs> you know? um, and so that yeah, that's our thing. Yeah, friends. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's so much better than the first time. Cause the first time I had small children, so yeah, I did too. I had my yeah. oldest kids. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of there'd be some weeks that you'd miss it, and right. You know, so well, and back then, yeah, if you missed it, if you weren't you sitting at the right time, yeah. that was gone. Yeah. You missed That's that episode. It. There's no getting that back. So <laughs> now we can just watch it. You know, you yeah. watch one episode or a. You know, all the episodes. Oh, if we're having a bad day, it's a friend fest. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole bunch of episodes. <laughs> well, I'll definitely have to do that. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I really enjoyed before my sons moved out when they went to college is that, you know, we'd pick a show at a time and we'd watch an episode or two in the evening. And at first I really fought it because I'm like, oh, we're just sitting in front of the TV. But that time with that age having that bonding thing, that is yeah. something that it's, it brings you closer, even though you're just sitting in front of the television, you know, yeah. I was just like, Meh, whatever, but it's something, and then it's something you kind of talk about the next day and remember how this happened and that happened. Yeah. And it gives you that commonality and something to talk about. And I know for you and your daughter are close, but with my sons, they did not talk that much. Right. So it was a really nice thing to have something to be a conversation starter. Well, absolutely. Don't like absolutely. to say more than a syllable. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that's yeah. So. Yeah, my my son's left home now, but yeah, I I remember the teenage years, <laughs> and I think girls are different in my personal experience. Yeah, in mine too. Yeah. They, they much yeah. prefer to be a, a mom's friend and yes. boys want to think they don't need us anymore because they're men now. That's and right. um, although I'm seeing that come back around now that my, my oldest is getting a little bit older, my oldest son, um, mom's not so horrible anymore, but uh, yeah, they do. They come, when, the, when they're in the twenties, they start coming around again, don't they? Yeah. 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 yeah I've seen that too. It's nice. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. And you know, as you said, just sit. I mean, very often the pair of us will hardly say anything, but it's just the fact because we both feel so awful. But it's just the fact that we are in each other's presence, you know, sharing that moment. Um, and yeah, it, it's yeah. Uh, you know, some people will listen to things, this and think, oh, you know, waste of time watching TV, but. No, when when you're dealing with something that that causes you chronic pain, by the end of the day you're absolutely exhausted and you just you just want to sit and relax and chill. Well, so, and I think that's yeah. a good advice too for for people who have children who are young carers. You know, yeah. getting back to the, our original topic is that yeah. 
you know, if they've been stressed out during the day, but they're doing it because they love you, how nice yeah. to give you both a break at the end of the day and say, Hey, all right, you know what? Come sit next to me. This isn't something I normally say to you, but let's, you know, let's check this out. And maybe that'll be your thing too. And yeah. it gives them permission to just do nothing, which they need at the end of the day, Absolutely, you know, and they're doing it with you, which is, you know, connecting you guys together. And so um, I used to be very adamant about, you know, no TV and no screens and no whatever, but um, there are, there are good points at, there are good points. I mean, plugging a preschooler into front of the TV all day, obviously it's not a good idea, but, but uh, using it to your advantage to build a relationship with your kids, exactly. it, it really can. And, um, and I encourage that too, because, because it, it's been really nice for me and my kids. In fact, at the point in 2014, I was so sick. I couldn't get out of bed for like four months. And so we brought camp chairs into my bedroom because oh. there were seven of us living in my house. And so and my, when my friends, my kids' friends would come over, everyone hung out in my room. It was like the living room. And at first their friends would come over and they're like, this is really weird. Cause most parents are like, get out of my room. It's my space, you know? Yeah. But we'd all just sit, everyone would sit. We had this huge circle of camp chairs around my bed and, <laughs> and just sit in there. And, and after a while, you know, they get comfortable. My, my daughter had been dating her now husband for a little while and he was real creeped out by from the beginning, but, <laughs> but then, you know, then he started relaxing. He'd come in there and we'd eat dinner in there and, um, you know, you just have to make peace with where you're at and, exactly. and let your yeah. kids feel comfortable in their own house and in your space. If that's yeah. the situation that you're in, I think that that's important, um, no, but I, I don't want to keep you too long. I know it's almost midnight where you are. So I have two last questions for you. Okay. okay. And one of them is what one piece of advice would you give to a mom with chronic illness? Um, yeah. Let yourself off the hook. Don't don't fret about the small stuff. And and honestly, anybody that knew, knew me years ago would be going, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> I used to be so strict. But, you know, you kind of you live and learn. And, yeah, just let yourself off the small stuff. And, and just take one day at a time. If today's a bad day, you know, just just roll with it. Take it hour by hour if you have to. If you need to go back to bed, let yourself off the hook. That's another one that took me years to, you know, I was kind of one of these people that were like, okay, I'm up. So I'm up until I go to bed. Um, but yeah, I've let myself off the hook with that. So yeah, let yourself off the hook would be my bit of advice really. And just, you know, roll with whatever the day brings. Um, kind of, and, you know, make sure that you, I don't know, kind of make sure that your kids know how much you love them because sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the chores and we're so exhausted and what needs to be done and, oh, can you do this? I'll struggle to do that. And, you know, I've been guilty of it in the past. Hands up, first one to admit it. Not always saying, thank you, I appreciate your help. You know, let them know how much you appreciate them. I do, I do now. I do say how much you appreciate them now, but I'm talking kind of years and years ago um, okay. when you'd have, when you'd have stroppy teenager mode coming into play as well. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, let yourself okay. off the hook and lo- fill your house with love, lots of love. That's really good. And the last one is, what is your superpower? Ooh. Um, oh gosh. 
you know what? I would hope to inspire people to make a difference. Kind of make a difference for young carers and inspire inspire people to kind of overcome their adversity and you know don't don't let disability define you. Well, you inspire me. I can honestly say, oh, I think thank it's amazing you. what you do. You've got a lot on your plate, and you just have this sparkly attitude, and and it does it inspires me. So thank you. Oh, so bless much. you. Thank you. So. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Victoria, and for coming in here at midnight in your time to, <laughs> okay. to celebrate Young Carers Week. And if you've stuck with us this far, I just um, thank you so much for listening to. And uh, thank you if you have stuck, stuck through this far. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, Victoria. Thank you. Take care. Thank you again, Victoria, for joining me today. Isn't she the sweetest woman? I just love her so much. And I love you too. I'm so glad that you're here and you're part of this podcast. If you want to join my group, right now it's on Facebook. It's called Chronically Positive Moms. You will find an amazing support for yourself there. And again, you can find support for your children or at least help in how you can support them as young carers or caregivers. If you look in the show notes, so if you're listening to this in an app, there will be show notes in the app. There will be clickable links in there where you can go right to the help that Victoria was talking about, or you can go to the sickmomsguide.com slash episode 20. You'll find everything that we talked about there. I am so glad that you took the time to spend with me today. I really value your time and appreciate you. Thank you again for joining me. Our episode today was sponsored by the book, The Sick Mom's Guide to Having Fun Again. If I can do it, you can too. You can find that on Amazon or anywhere online that you buy books. Our music today is A New Day by Scott Holmes. I look forward to talking to you next week. 